God is. The world's telling uh, 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 people that God isn't, isn't real, he's a figment of your imagination, that somehow serving God will mess your life up, and so it's time for the church to arise and show forth the goodness of God. Come on, we can let people know there's a hell to shun. We don't want you to go to hell. Right? We have the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God has impacted our life so much that we go to people, and the Bible says that actually if you know and I know that I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus, we begin to be led by the Spirit to people, and we begin to see their condition, and we plead with them, be reconciled to Jesus. When you're the Sunday night crowd, I can tell you that. Say, so wait a minute, I'm not going to anybody and pleading with them that they accept Jesus. Come on, when the love of God starts to stir in our hearts and we see them like Jesus sees them, that we'll begin to say, listen, man, you need to come to know Jesus. Even if they reject us, we're saying, come on, come on. I love you so much. I don't want you to spend eternity apart from Jesus. Hell is a terrible place. They may say, well, I don't think hell is a terrible place. I don't even believe in hell. Well, it's a real place. And it's forever being separated from God. It's a place of eternal. Somebody say eternal. See, heaven is a place where eternal life springs forth. But hell is a place of eternal torment. A place of eternity apart from your creator with no relationship. See, the world likes to think, well, the church is over there, you know, they're having their deal, but we're out here having fun and, and enjoying life, and so when, when I die, even if I go to hell, me and all my friends will be there, and we'll just be partying, but that's not what's going to happen in hell. That's the greatest deception. If you even hear your friends, you'll hear them in torment forever. It's a place of darkness, not a place of light. I know you're all like, I came to church to hear one of these bummer messages. No, it's not a bummer message. I'm just telling you. Come on, you carry something of eternity. I carry something of eternity in my heart. And we sing about revival, but that's where revival starts is we start to get stirred up. I got something. I got something that's eternity. I got something that will impact people's lives. I've got a call that is something effective and, and, and effectual for people around me, and I'm, I'm put in these places where it's frustrating because they're caught in darkness. They don't even know. They're, they're just living off of sin. They're just living controlled by sin and the, the course of this world and the news of the day, and they're controlled by that. And so could I just get around somebody who doesn't see it like that? But we have to say, this is why we come together. We come together to go, listen, we got a, a job to do. We got a, a, a God who loves us. We got a life that's eternal. And then he thrusts us back out there to look at those people and say, oh my God, you don't even know him. I'm here to be a light to you. I'm here to tell you. I'm not here to preach at you. I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to tell you the answer. As we know the answers, as we learn by the Spirit of God to navigate their spiritual gymnastics. You know what I mean by that? No, you don't. I can tell by y'all looking at me. Is see, they've, they've figured out all the questions that knock you back on your heels. Well, I went to church and someone hurt me. Yeah, me too. Come on, stop saying, yeah, me too. Say, come on now. There's all places everywhere where people get hurt and offended. But the church is really not that place. We're all grown, we're all learning. Don't stay away from the family of God, right? 
Because everybody, everybody's been hurt in some way or another, right? I can tell you right now, you know, I don't know where it is, but places like the bayou, there's people at the bayou that are offended with other people at the bayou, but they still go every weekend. It's the truth. We get to church and we're like, oh, yeah, that person didn't treat me right. I'm going somewhere else. Come on, this is the place where the Spirit of God wants to help us, strengthen us, build us up. Amen? Praise the Lord. And so I'm just believing, you know, there's not going to be a seat in the house. Spirit of God's going to be moving. People are going to get saved, healed, delivered, set free, made whole, and prospered. And part of that is only going to happen because we start to look out and we start to say, come on, come on, come on. There's healing in the house. There's deliverance in the house. The word of God's being preached in the house. And so if the word of God is present, then the power of God is present to heal. Amen? Praise the Lord. Open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 5. While you're turning there, if you weren't here uh, this morning, you weren't prepared with your local church tithes and offerings, if you're watching uh, with us, you, you weren't with us this morning or weren't prepared uh, to give this morning, uh, there's a number of ways to give up there. We're so thankful for your generosity, your giving, uh, the things that are going on, uh, that we are able to support the gospel around the world and in our own community in different ways, in different facets, and connect with people, uh, even in our own community, as they minister and as they go uh, out into the world. And so uh, there's a number of local ministries and people that we support in different ways in what they're doing, not only in their local ministry, but what they're doing around the world. And so we couldn't do that. We couldn't help them with what they're doing without uh, your help. And so we, uh, the gospel here and around the world is being preached and uh, ministered. And so we thank you for your generosity. And so uh, all those ways to give, if you're here and uh, give them by cash or debit or credit card, one tax receipt for giving, raise your hand. The ushers will give you an envelope and a hand up over there. And um, we are believing that this will be your best year ever. We're believing that New Creation Church is paid for and more. And uh, glory to God, we're getting closer and closer on that. We just believe with Alan that here in, in, at the end of the month, praise the Lord, we could have that whole thing paid off at the 40th anniversary. So I'm believing God uh, for a one-time check, and that would take care of everything. So you can just believe with me. Uh, if you really want to get ambitious, ambitious, you could believe that you're the one that write the check. And I'm going to believe that I'm the one that writes the check. And so we're just believing God to do that cause us to prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. We like health, we like prosperity, but sometimes we don't take the time to get our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions in line. But once our mind, our will, and our emotions are prospering, they're not all over the map, then it affects your physical body, and it affects your material well-being. Amen? Are you ready? Father, we thank you for every opportunity that we have to give. We're so grateful, we're so thankful for your blessing upon our life. We're thankful for the covenant that we have with you. And as we acknowledge that covenant through our giving, that everything that we have belongs to you, then we recognize that all that you have belongs to us. And we walk in that overwhelming prosperity that affects every area of our life, not just our finances, every area of our life, that we're blessed coming in, we're blessed going out. The devourer is rebuked for our sake that we might see the produce of what we've sowed into. We might see the fruit of our ground bring forth much fruit, 30, 60, and 100 fold. And so we command the blessings of the word of God upon each one tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Luke, 
the fifth chapter. Luke, the fifth chapter. This has been our foundational text on Sunday night. And uh, as we have been talking about uh, healing on Sunday night, uh, you know, you might say, well, you know, I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not sick. Well, listen, if you need restoration in your life, if you need healing in your marriage, uh, whatever it is, uh, again, to, to get the word of God moving in your heart, to get faith in your heart, the same faith that caused you to say, Jesus, come be the Lord of my life, is the same exact faith that is really for restoration, for healing, for deliverance of whatever uh, it is that you may be dealing with. You know, sometimes when we think about deliverance, we think about uh, deliverance from substance. But really, in any manner, you might uh, be caught up in gossip or worry or, or a number of things, and he wants to deliver you and set you free from anything that would bind you up. And so here in Luke chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present. Everybody say, the power of the Lord is present. Say it again, the power of the Lord is present. Come on, now we're going to teach the word. And we think the power of the Lord is present when the atmosphere is all charged and excited. But right here, Jesus is there, and it said he was teaching the word. And while he was teaching the word, the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Come on. Sometimes we're just looking beyond the word of God to something that we think should be there for us. But if we don't look beyond the word of God, it's in the word of God that we find the will of God for our life. It's, where, it's in the word of God that we find that it is God's will that healing is uh, for our physical body, right? And so the word of God, the preaching of the word of God is where when we open our ears that revelation comes. And when revelation knowledge comes, the devil or the gates of hell cannot prevail against revelation knowledge. In other words, when the light bulb goes on, right, when faith comes, when faith comes, when true faith comes, a faith that has uh, such a conviction that says, you know what, I'm going to step up and I'm going to act on this because I see it more clearly than I've ever seen it before. When faith comes, how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and one translation says, faith comes by hearing and understanding what the word says. Faith comes by hearing and understanding what the word says. And so really that word understanding means to put it together. So you hear the word, you know, you hear the word, you come in Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and you're like, man, I don't know why things aren't happening in my life. I've been going to church and hearing the word. But you can hear the word with your physical ears. But when you begin to hear it with your spiritual ears, understanding, spiritual understanding begins to start to take place. And so Paul prayed this in Colossians chapter 1. He said, uh, God, fill them with the knowledge of your will for their life, with wisdom and spiritual understanding. In other words, the word of God is spirit and it's life. The word of God is, Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they're spirit and they're life. 
It's not just a storybook. They're not just words that I'm reciting because I have to have a message. They're spirit and they're life. And so they must be spiritually understood. They must be spiritually discerned. In other words, you can hear something you know, from the word of God, and you can, you can start to formulate in your mind naturally, well, that would work out great. If, if it just happened like that and that, it would just work out great. And then we run off with some natural understanding and try to bring it together, and it doesn't work, and then we become disappointed. Marshall Townsley said years ago, disappointment comes from unfounded expectations. You say, well, no, I had an expectation. I heard the word. I figured it all out, and I went, and I, I was doing what I saw there. But we didn't take time to pause and say, God, give me spiritual understanding. So faith comes by hearing. We have to hear the word of God. But then we start to open up. We hear the word of God. We hear the opportunities. We hear of what redemption did. We hear of what Jesus did for us. We hear of the love of God. We hear of the Holy Spirit and what he has planned in our life. And we're like, woohoo. But then we pause and we let it go past our natural ear gates and begin to hear with the ears of the Spirit. In other words, we begin to say, I heard that. I just heard that. Now, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And he'll take the word that we heard and he'll begin to put it together for you. If you take this word and you take where you are in life and you begin to understand and put it together and begin to understand that this word works for you right now. It might have worked for you 20 years ago, but it's going to work for you right now. He says, now once you have the knowledge of the word and once you have understanding, you've put it together. He said, now I want you to have wisdom, which is application of the word of God. Right, And so when he talks about this power being present while the word is being preached, there's so much power present because something's going on while the word of God is being preached. Something should be going on while the word of God is being preached. Not that you're texting the person across the room. That's not what should be going on. What should be going on is that we're hearing something, but in the process, the supernatural process, because God doesn't live in time and space. You can actually hear my voice and the Holy Spirit be talking to you about what I'm saying at exactly the same time because he's not limited like you are in your thinking. He can start formulating and bring understanding in a moment's time. And he can cause you to realize in a moment's time while you're listening, that's what I need. And then he says, when you understand that, there's power present to access it right there, right there. So he says, the power of God was present to heal them. Verse 18, it says, then behold, men brought a, a, a man on a bed who was paralyzed, who they sought to bring in and lay down before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, you know, there's always a crowd. If you've been here every Sunday night, you're going you're gonna to get tired of me talking about the crowd. But there's always a crowd. And so in this instance, there was always a crowd. They couldn't get in because of the religious crowd, you know, 
Uh, uh, the woman with the issue of blood couldn't get to him because of the spectating crowd. Uh, blind Bartimaeus was having trouble getting his, his voice out there because the crowd was trying to quiet him, right? There's always a crowd, and there might not be a crowd of people around you, but there's a crowd. Whenever you're trying to get to Jesus for an answer, there'll be a crowd. The enemy will create a crowd. There'll be a crowd in your emotions. Your emotions will get all stirred up. There'll be a crowd in your thinking. There'll be a crowd like we talked about uh, last week. If you're not careful, there'll be a crowd of reasoning and offense as to why it's not going to happen for you. We have to understand, we have to press through the crowd. It takes faith just to get through the crowd. You see, most people get to the point of whenever there's a crowd, they're like, there's a crowd, I'm going home. There's a crowd, it's not working for me. But every place that you see healing come to someone, restoration to come to someone, they press through the crowd. They press through the circumstances. The woman with the issue of blood pressed through the crowd. But at the same exact time that she pressed through the crowd at Mark chapter 5, something else was going on simultaneously. The only reason Jesus was where he was at for the woman with the issue of blood is because he was on his way to Jairus' house to heal Jairus' daughter. But while the woman with the issue of blood pressed through the crowd and got him, and he's taking time, just think of the crowd in his mind and the emotions that Jairus had to deal with. You ever had to wait on something? You ever had to wait on God? Jairus is standing there knowing how sick his daughter is, and this woman touches Jesus. I mean, I'm sure he's sitting there going, oh, my God. We were moving slow enough the way it was with the crowd. And now he stopped. And not only did he stop, he's questioning this woman. Does he not know how sick my daughter is? Does he not know how sick my daughter is? You talk about guarding against a fence. So this woman, now listen, we, we get it in a moment time. We read it like this. But the woman told him the whole story. You ever had a woman tell you the whole story? <laughs> Come on, lighten up just a little bit. <laughs> so Jairus is like, couldn't you cut right to the chase here? She's telling the whole story, and then Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. He turned to Jairus. And while he's standing there, somebody comes running to Jairus and says, don't bother him anymore. Your daughter died. Now, we're not talking about a crowd of people. We're talking about one big crowd in your mind and your emotions. He's like, here we go. Do you think for a moment that Jairus was really tempted to be upset with that woman? Because she got healed. And his daughter died. That'll mess you up. But thank God for Jesus. Aren't you thankful for Jesus? Come on. Jairus could have got mad and left, been mad at the woman. But he just stayed there and Jesus said, it'll be all right. I was on my way to your house and I'm still on my way to your house. And don't worry about your daughter. I'm coming to your house. Come on. If we just stay in faith, 
Jesus says, I'm coming to your house. There might be a crowd. Circumstances might look like it's hopeless, but stick with me. I'm coming to your house. Listen, he got to Jairus' house. And the people were there crying and all that stuff. And he said, listen, you all need to quit crying. She's just asleep. She's not dead. And they laughed him to scorn. See, sometimes people will laugh at you for waiting on Jesus. Sometimes people think you're crazy for waiting on Jesus. What are you waiting on Jesus for? But he said, all right, we got to put all these people out of the house. Again, now listen, Jairus is there. His family and his friends are there mourning the loss. Now Jesus, who came, says, we're kicking the relatives out of the house. You ever tried to kick relatives out of the house? Especially at a moment like that. But he said, we're not going to get anything done unless we get this unbelief out of here. Come on, he invited the parents to stay, Jairus, his wife, Peter, James, and John. He surrounded himself with faith. And then he told the girl to wake up. Now, the atmosphere changed, I'm sure, a lot when everybody found out, oh, she's not dead. She's alive. But you can't count on the crowd celebrating with you that something that looks dead is alive. We have to depend on Jesus. Come on, there's always a crowd. Always a crowd. Are we going to look to Jesus in the crowd, or are we going to let the crowd distract us from the power that's present? Amen. All right, you all with me? Come on. I know I'm saying that, but if you don't recognize that there's a crowd, every time you step out, every time you leave, and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it gets, starts getting more and more crowded. Whatever you're believing God for, whatever you leave on Sunday or your devotion time, and you're like, all right, God, I pray, I believe it, I saw it in prayer. If it don't get crowded, then raise your hand, write a book, you'll be famous. Come on, it gets crowded. I'm just trying to tell you, you got to be like the woman with your shoe of blood. You got to be like, like blind Bartimaeus. You got to be like Jairus. When the crowd is there, when the words are happening, when things are not going your way, you have to keep your focus. I have to keep my focus on Jesus. That's what they did. She kept her focus on the hem of his garment. This is where I got to get. Forget all these people. Forget all this stuff. I got to get to the hem of his garment. What was blind Bartimaeus doing? He said, I can't see the hem of his garment, but one thing I know how to do, I know how to yell really, really loud. And so amongst all this noise, I've got to yell louder than everybody who's talking about Jesus. You ever been around a crowd like that? They don't have to be yelling. They just be like, ooh, look what Jesus is believing. Ooh, you wonder what he's going to do now. And all that raises to a level. And Blind Bartimaeus says, my voice has to touch the ears of Jesus. Come on. Jairus, he's like, I just got to keep my focus on what Jesus is doing for the sake of my daughter. Come on, the crowd's going to try to distract us. The crowd's going to try to tell us it isn't going to happen. The tri crowd's going to try to tell you to stop crying out to Jesus. But we continue in that. We press in to touch the hem of his garment. Right? Thank God, you know, uh, uh, you know, we're not just talking about physically. You know, there's, there's crowds physically. And sometimes we try to go, well, blind Bartimaeus was yelling, so we're just going to yell all the louder. But there's places where your crowd isn't in the crowd of people. Your crowd is right here. Your crowd is right here in your emotions. 
It's all there, and the enemy's working up your soul in such a way that your soul is so crowded with information, your soul is so crowded with emotions that it's tough to press through and say, I am getting to Jesus. And there's just faith in getting to that. And so, you know, these guys here, verse 19, really, I'm trying to get to a message here. It says, and when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said to him, man, your sins are forgiven. When he saw their faith, sometimes we think, you know what, just if I'll just believe right right here, if I just believe, and I, again, we'll get to that a little bit when we talk about faith. But right here, he said he saw their faith. Faith is something, Bible faith is something that certainly you hear, you hear it, you get it down in your heart, you begin to say it with your mouth, but it moves you to action. And everywhere we see that, blind Bartimaeus' faith moved him to action. The woman with the issue of blood, her faith moved her to action. These guys right here, they could have said, listen, the crowd is here, it's too crowded, we can't get in. They could have been offended at all their religious people and said, you know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they don't even care about our friend like we care about our friends. We're the only loving people in the whole world. But they said, the answer for him is in there. How do we get in there? How do we get to Jesus? We are determined to get to Jesus. There's just something about tenacious faith especially when it comes to healing, there's something about tenacious faith. Because healing is something that with that tenacious faith, you have so many crowds, you have so much faith that's, or, or, or so many things that are going on in healing. You know, when we talk about getting saved, you know, some people deal with a lot of, of condemnation when it comes to getting saved. Look at what I've done and all that stuff. But we make it pretty easy to get saved, right? Come up, pray the prayer, you're forgiven. Whether you feel like it or not, you're forgiven. You're going to spend forever with him. You're going to go to heaven. And we walk up and we're like, whoo, I'm going to heaven. But really, the results of that, if we think about it, you know, if you're going to go to heaven, you're all excited about that. But by the end of the week, you end up in the same uh, point that you did with sin. You fall back into the same habits without teaching, without growing your faith. It's that same thing, but we don't pay attention to that because we're like, ooh, all right, I'm saved, I'm saved. But in your physical body where there's pain, where there's things going on, there's a crowd of stuff's going on. Why, isn't, why aren't things changing? Why do I still have this pain? What did I do wrong? How am I going to get relief from this? I mean, it's just all going on at the same time. There's just crowds happening, and he says, if you'll get past that and get to me. It's the hardest thing in the world sometimes to get past the pain and see Jesus. It's sometimes hard to get past the why is this happening to me to get to Jesus. It's hard to get past sifting through. I got I to go through everything I've ever done wrong and repent of everything I've ever done wrong. And so that's how I'm going to get to Jesus. No, it's not. It's going to be getting to Jesus. Pulling off the roof. Pressing through, moving everything else aside, moving schedules aside, moving thoughts aside, moving emotions aside, and saying, I'm focusing on him. One of the greatest ways to do that is praise and worship. 
One of the greatest ways to press through the crowd is to begin to praise him. Yeah, but you don't understand. I don't feel like it. When pain's in my body, I don't feel like it. But listen, that's how you get to him. The enemy's like, you don't feel like praising. What good is that going to do? I mean, you need something right now. But praising him, worshiping him. Come on, listen to me. Praising him, 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 him. Not focusing on your situation. Praising him. Praising him. I remember the story of Maria Woodworth Etter. And I told this a, a few weeks ago, so I don't know when I told it, but uh, you may or may not have heard it. She was in a meeting. Somebody brought up to her a baby uh, that was severely deformed. And she knew that within the crowd, one, there was a corporate anointing, but two, the crowd was watching to see what would happen. In other words, they were looking, is God going to do something with that baby? And she knew nothing would happen for that baby unless we got our eyes off of the baby and got our eyes on him. And so she said, we're just going to sit here and worship him. See, sometimes we're not patient enough to see the answer. You know, the people of old, it was by faith and patience. Somebody say patience. That's as enthusiastic as we get about patience. Patience. Through faith and patience, they inherited the promise. Through faith and patience. So sometimes we get into a place and we're like, why are we singing so long? Let's get on to the next thing. Our soul gets antsy. But she was there and, uh, you know, you know the stories. When you get to time, time frames are always there, but somewhere between 30 minutes and an hour of just focusing on Jesus. And people would get distracted, and she would draw their attention back to worshiping him. And all of a sudden, when they all got in one accord, in that one place, focusing on not whether healing was going to take place, but on the healer. They got through the crowd. What's going to happen? How's it going to happen? Is she going to do something? Wow, are we going to see a miracle today? Nope, get all through the crowd, get our eyes on him. She's holding him and all the baby being covered up, nobody's seeing anything. Baby didn't have, uh, again, I might have stories mixed up, but I think the baby didn't have at least one eye in its socket. The bones were all deformed. And while she's holding that baby, once they hit the place where every attention is on the healer and not whether healing is going to take place. There was snapping, there was changing, there was rustling within that blanket and all that. When all that stopped, she unfolded that blanket and that baby was 100% whole. 100% whole. And so I'm not talking about, please don't misunderstand me, I'm trying to help us see something that's real and in, in the word of God. When, when the crowd comes, it's not always a crowd of people. There's voices, the enemy. There's crowds when, when pain is happening, when questions start in our mind, when things start happening. And getting through that crowd is not always easy. But the moment actually you break through that crowd, just, just like you know all these stories that we read about, once we break through that crowd, Jesus saw their faith. Once he heard blind Bartimaeus' voice, he stopped. Once she touched the hem of his garment, 
He stood still and said, somebody touched me. In other words, they could have said, I tried to get to Jesus, but there was a crowd. I tried to get to Jesus, but, 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 but people told me to be quiet. I tried, and Jesus didn't, wasn't there for me. Somebody else stopped me from there, but they said, no, I'm getting through the crowd, and I will get to Jesus. And we begin to work through that and begin to worship him. We begin to praise him. We begin to lift him him up. We begin to get past and transcend the questions, the doubts, the, the what did I do? What did I do to deserve this? What did I do wrong that I need to repent of? And we just start to move and we begin to see Jesus in the place of his goodness and in the place of what he's done, not what we have or what we haven't done, but what he has absolutely done for us. There is a supernatural flow of power and virtue that comes from that place of making supernatural contact with him. But there's always a crowd. You ever notice there's always a crowd? There's always a crowd. And if you break through that crowd, you realize, hmm, man, once you break through that crowd, there's nothing but him. Nothing but him. Come on, when there's nothing but him, it's a place of goodness. It's a place of power. It's a place of mercy. Praise the Lord. So he saw their faith. They lowered him down. You know the story. So let's just move on with where we've been. Praise the Lord. We'll get on to something. Y'all seem this maybe is a little heavy. Um, so we understand this, that what comes together, uh, as we understand this, we talked about this, is faith and the anointing are an unbeatable team. If we can always get our faith in God, our, our believing uh, in everything that Jesus has done to come in contact with the anointing, it's an unbeatable force. It's an unbeatable force. And so why really, why, what happens in getting our faith to contact the anointing? Because the anointing, the power of God is present. So in other words, right in this room, the anointing is here right now. The anointing is here. So the obstacle is really a lack of knowledge many times, right? It'll stop. That obstacle will stop things. Turn over to Hosea 4.6. I know we were here last week, but we're going to go over it, and then we're going to move on. Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6. He said this. He said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because you've rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being priests for me. Come on, he says, my people are destroyed for a, a lack of knowledge. Say, so you know what? What I don't know won't hurt me. What you don't know can hurt you. What you don't know can hurt you. We gain a lot of knowledge about a lot of things, but he said, listen, if you have a knowledge of what God and Jesus has done for you, it brings a place. But when you reject that knowledge, right, when you know something in the word of God is true and your situation comes down and we reject that, well, not intentionally, but we'll set that aside for the moment because of the crowd. He says, listen, there's something that goes on that doesn't increase that knowledge. When there's knowledge and understanding, Jesus even said this throughout the Gospels. He said, he talked about understanding. One place, I think it was only one place, maybe two, he talked about finances. And he said, if you have more will be given to you. 
But for those who don't have, even what they do have will be taken away. But in the other two places, he's actually talking about understanding. He said, listen, if you have understanding of God and you don't press into it and use that understanding, even the understanding you once had will be taken away from you. You ever had a situation where you were on fire for God? It seemed like you knew the word of God, you were operating the word of God, and you got off track, and then you were like, why can't he even remember that? Why can't he even get to that point? Because you stopped utilizing that understanding, and even what you had, instead of multiplying, it was taken away. But he said, those who have understanding and begin to use that understanding, what they have will be multiplied. It will increase. And so the knowledge of God just saying, well, I know that. I went to church and I heard that. So I know that. Why isn't it happening? He's not talking about that. He's talking about knowledge. He's talking about, first of all, getting knowledge of the word of God. But then he's talking about that understanding and he's talking about wisdom. And the moment that there's an application of the word of God, then there becomes experiential knowledge. Once we come from just hearing the word of God and saying, oh, I know that. You know, we could open up, you might have been there today, open up to Luke chapter 5. Oh my gosh, we're going there again? I mean, how many times is he going to read Luke chapter 5? Well, I don't know, but I came from a place where Brother Hagen read Mark 11, chapter 22, 23, and 24 over and over and over again. But I'm telling you, faith continually gets built in your heart. And I know Mark 11, 22, 23, and 24. I know it. Praise the Lord. We get to know, listen, the power of God is present. The power of God is present. How do we tap into the power? In the presence of God. So he said, listen, we hear the word, we have some knowledge But if we'll take that, we'll let faith uh, come into our heart. We'll start to apply the word of God into our life. Then we become from just that gnosis, that Greek word gnosis of knowing. I've heard the word to experiential knowledge. So I'm going to cut to the chase. I'm going to cut to number six. From number two to number six. Turn over to James chapter one. James chapter one. James chapter 1, verse 19, he says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Most of the time, if we're honest, we, uh, the crowd comes in because we go quick to wrath, quick to speak, and slow to listen. We reverse it. We reverse it. And really, literally, if you understand some of the context here, that Jesus told Peter that Satan is coming to get you into wrath. So Satan has come to sift you. Satan has come to agitate your mind and your emotions. But I pray for you that your faith will not fail you. So in other words, faith is hard to develop when your mind is agitated. So wrath, we know wrath as anger, but really the root, if you study out the word, part of the the word wrath here, this word wrath, means an agitation of the mind. 
which makes sense. How do you get angry at people? You start to think about those things that they've said or done, and you get agitated. So really, the enemy just wants us to be our mind and our emotions to constantly be like a washing machine, right? Like a washing machine. You ever seen, I, I didn't even really know this in, you know, when I was a kid, but there was always this agitate cycle on old washing machines. When you turned it on the agitate cycle, it would just do this. So when you had a dirty load of laundry, you put it in there and you put it on that cycle. You know, now everybody looks in the window and it's like, got one of those. I'm like, what is going on in there? The old machines were just nice. They filled up with water. You put the clothes in and they went, you're like, man, that's shaking everything loose in there. What was it doing? It was agitating the dirt out of the clothes. It was agitating. It was, it was shaking them around. And so the enemy wants to come in and always keep our minds and our emotions agitated. Why? Because in that agitation, it's difficult to develop faith. That's why God said the Holy Spirit is there to produce peace in our life. Peace that passes all understanding. Peace that goes past. I should be agitated right now, but I'm not and in that place where I'm not agitated, I don't have wrath, I don't have an agitation of the mind, I don't feel the need to speak right now. Have you ever noticed that when your mind gets agitated, you feel the need to speak? Or to hit something? So we get reversed. The enemy comes in to reverse the process, which then does not produce the righteousness of God. If we're agitated first, we talk a lot, and then later we listen, it doesn't produce the righteousness of God. But if we'll be slow to speak, slow to wrath, and quick to listen, we'll hear what the Spirit of God is saying. We'll hear what God has brought to us to understand. And once we begin to hear what the Word of God says, the opportunity for faith to arise in our heart takes place. Thus, the crowd always being around to agitate you, to keep you from hearing what the Word of God is saying and faith to develop in our hearts. All right, let's read on. He says, therefore, or because of this, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted Word of God, which is able to save your soul. He said, because of this agitation, where does it come from? It comes from wickedness that's in the world. He said, lay aside all that, and now by, with peace, receive, receive. It's tough to receive the implanted word of God when our mind is always agitated, right? The enemy will even try to agitate you to keep you from receiving the word of God when you come to church. The parking lot attendant made you park somewhere where you didn't want to. Why do I have to park over here when there's a space right up front? And you come in thinking that, and you're already agitated. Did you see the way that person looked at me in the foyer? What is wrong with them? And all of a sudden, you're agitated before you ever get to hear the word. Come on now, church. As we grow, we're always working through the agitation. That music, that song. I don't know why we, we sing that song a hundred times. Why'd they sing that song again? I don't even like that song. Why don't they sing the song I like? Simple stuff. I got to sit over here. Can't believe that person is sitting in my seat. My seat. That's where I always, don't they know that's my seat? 
No, it never had your name on it. In fact, if you didn't show up on time, we told the ushers to set somebody in your seat. I just said that to agitate your mind. And you're listening, and then I, I get a little intense in my brow furrows, and you're like, oh, he's mad. And your mind gets agitated. What's he upset about? Nine times out of ten, nothing. I'm excited about something, upset about nothing. But all of a sudden, all that's going on to do what? You can't hear the word of God. He said, lay all that aside. So what? You can start to receive the word as it's to be implanted in your heart. When it's implanted in a good heart, it produces 30, 60, and 100 fold. All right. Are you all with me? And then it's able to save your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. The word of God has come to change the way you think about things, to, way, to change the way you emote about things. And if you don't think the way that we think and, and, and emote about things makes a difference, John said this, I pray that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. If your soul is agitated all the time, if your emotions are up and down all the time, your body is not receiving health, but as your soul prospers, as peace comes into your mind, as you're receiving and your mind is quieted, then the word comes in and the word itself, just the word itself, has actually power to heal you. When you just go like, man, that is some good word. It goes down into your heart. It is alive and working life and health in your flesh. That's just the truth, right? Well, I want a word on healing. I, want a, I need a word on healing. Listen, if you just receive the word of God, it has life in it. But our mind gets agitated. That's not the word I want today. I want, I want a different word for what I need right now. But if you just receive the word, it has life and it has health in it. All right. Got to get moving, I can tell. Uh, so he goes on. He says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed. Everybody say blessed. Blessed in what he does. Not what he heard, but blessed in what he does. He said, listen, when we can get that word of God going down in our heart to the point that we begin to get through the noise and we begin to apply the word to our life. We begin to apply the word to our life. In other words, when, when the word of God says that we should love one another, we can hear that word and go, yeah, we need to love people. But he says, when it comes right down to it with the unlovely, you need to apply love. I tell uh, young people, I guess some of them are older now, uh, but in premarital counseling, you know, they, they sit right next to each other most of the time, which is good. I'm not making light of it. It's good that they don't sit across the room. I'd say, well, why are you sitting clear across the room? But, you know, they sit there, and they're getting married, man. They're excited. They're, they're about sitting on each other's lap, excited, premarital counseling. We're about to get married, and you're excited. And I say, man, I, I don't doubt for a minute that you love each other. But I can just tell you this. And you all know this. You know, don't, don't get shocked at this. You know I can put a damper on any situation of excitement. <laughs> not intentionally. I'm anointed to do it. 
Um, <laughs> so so <laughs> they're, they're all excited. I say, I know you love each other. I, I don't doubt that otherwise. Why would you be here? But I do know this one thing that you need to learn. You don't know how to love each other yet. You don't know how to love each other as a husband and a wife. And loving each other as a husband and a wife is a lot different than loving your girlfriend. Because your girlfriend, when she gets a little irritating to you, just goes home. Your wife stays home. Your husband stays home. And so it's easy to get a break, you know, when you're just dating. And by the time when you're dating and you go home and you thought about it for just a second, you call them right back up and say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, honey, I'm good. Because you're afraid of losing them. But when you don't have time to go home, you just stew on it and say, listen, man, you're locked into this forever. So deal with it, buster. And that's why things get so stirred up. But if we learn to love each other and know they're not going home and they're not going to get all shook up, we're going to deal with it right here, right now, because it means something. And God put us together for a higher purpose. It's a deeper love. It's a long-lasting love. It's not an emotional love. Simply emotional. Thank God it comes through and, and can be emotional, but it's got a deeper depth in it. So we don't know how to love each other. So what do we have to do? We have to apply the love of God in our marriage to have a strong marriage. We have to apply the peace of God. When anxiety comes, you know, you just want peace, but you have to apply the word of God. You have to apply peace. And when you do, you realize, wow, when I take the word of God and I pray until peace comes, peace comes. I'm blessed in praying and seeking him, and then peace that passes all understanding comes. When I love and don't take account of a wrong done, and I do it, man, it pays off. Relationship gets restored. When I rejoice, when I don't feel like it, things start to change in my life. Why? Because I'm applying the word. I'm applying the word. I want to read this out of the Passion Bible, then we'll go home. Y'all ready to go home? <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, I can always get one. I'm ready. Let's get going. All right. Let's start in, in uh, praise the Lord. Let's start in verse 21. It says, this is why we abandon everything morally impure and all forms of wicked conduct. Instead, uh, with a sensitive, instead, with a sensitive spirit, we absorb God's word, which has been implanted within our nature. For the word of life has power to continually deliver us. Don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it, for that is the essence of self-deception. So always let his word become like poetry written and fulfilled by your life. If you listen to the word and don't live out the message you hear, you become like a person who looks in the mirror of the word to discover the reflection of his face in the beginning. 
You perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word, but then you go out and forget your divine origin. When you look into the word of God, the word's so powerful, it's like a mirror. It sets the image that we are, and we're like, whoo, this is who I am in Christ. We can even rejoice on Sunday and say, this is who I am in Christ. But by Wednesday, forget the divine origin. You can look into the word and see that by his stripes I'm healed, I'm excited. But by Wednesday, the crowd comes in, and we haven't been applying that word to our body. We haven't been speaking to our own bodies, and pretty soon we forget what it looks like. God, through faith, wants to create images in our thinking. That's what the Word of God is. It's alive, and as we meditate on the Word of God, vision comes. You know, we have business vision, but when you look at the Word of God, and vision begins to come, and you can see yourself like God sees you. You can see your body whole. You can see your mind and the wisdom of God in your mind. You can see joy where there was none. You can see peace where there was none, and you can see it, and you can stay with it and apply it to your life. You'll be blessed in the doing. You'll begin to experience that very life and nature of God, putting everything back together again. But if by Wednesday the crowd presses in and we forget the divine origin of who he's created us to be and what he's done on the cross for us, we begin to respond and act just like we acted before we looked in the mirror. So we keep our constant gaze on the mirror And we apply what we know. We don't just say, I know that. We apply what we know. And then we apply what we know. And then we apply what we know. Because the just live by faith. They don't just apply faith once. We apply it every single day. Every single day. That lack of knowledge, you know, uh, we've started with this. F.F. Bosworth said, faith really begins where the will of God is known. And really, we can't pursue and apply the word of God where there is no true faith in what God has said about us. We can say that we believe it, but when we really believe it, we begin to apply that word of God. We become doers of the word and not hearers only. We begin to see ourself and our ability differently than we did before. We don't see ourselves in the light of the crowd that is bombarding our mind and our thoughts. We begin to see ourselves in the light of who Jesus is and what he's done for us and what he said about us. And all the other things go away. I believe that woman with the issue of blood saw just what she declared. When I touch the hem of his garment, this flow of blood will be stopped up. I'll receive life and strength and energy. And I know what I look like with life and strength and energy. And nothing's going to stop me from being that woman again. Blind Bartimaeus, he said, listen, I can only imagine what it's like to see. But I imagine seeing. How do you know he imagined seeing? Because Jesus said, I give you the option right now. What do you want? Thank God he didn't not know what he wanted. I don't know, you're Jesus, what do you want me to have? No, he said right away, I want to see my sight. He said, as your faith is, so be it unto you. Why don't you stand up? Glory to God. Father, we thank you, we praise you, we magnify and we glorify you. Thank you for your word, it's truth and it is life. I thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit of God. 
moving on hearts and lives, that we will be a people who don't just hear the word, but that we apply that word. That we don't let the crowds in our emotion, in our thought life, block out the healing, the restoring, the delivering power of God. But we determine to press in, to make contact, to see you through the crowd and continue to move to make that contact with you, to worship you, to rejoice, to love like you love. In that, we open up an avenue of healing power, restoring power, delivering power. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you teach us, you remind us of these things We look into the word as we go out through our day, that this week won't be like last week, that we'll continue to grow, we'll continue to learn. Where we missed applying the word of God to a situation of life, you remind us and show us what we know and how to become doers of the word and not hearers only. Where there's areas where we know to apply that word, that we are diligent to apply that word. And I thank you, Father, life and blessing, and health, and strength. Vitality will begin to spring forth. I thank you right now, Father. We pray for those in this room right now who are suffering in their bodies. Those who are struggling in their thought life. Those who are struggling in their emotions. thank you for healing power. Being released towards them right now. Power's present. The word's been taught. I thank you, Lord. That that anointing is released right now. The distress and confusion, pressure, in the thought life the memory of every wound and hurt you begin to work right now changing thought patterns bringing healing to their mind who've been wounded emotionally to left those scars feeling so open I thank you for a healing right now the depth of their soul Holy Spirit only what you can do binding up brokenness we speak to bodies right now Holy Spirit rising up, developing strength, that you, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, you quicken, make alive, strengthen and heal our mortal bodies by the spirit within, the anointing within, 
Miracle-working power. Miracle-working power. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hope and strength. Restore. disabling fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. I thank you, Lord, that you're working that place where fear is just fear what people think, the fear of what might happen. Stifled the very gift of God. Wash over that right now. forever thank you Lord thank you Lord somebody say thank you Lord glory to God say the Lord is good his mercy endures forever the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever the Lord he is good and his mercy endures forever praise the Lord Praise the Lord. We started this uh, healing. I know that God uh, wants to work something, and I, I believe that we're going to lay hands on the sick at some point. But right now, there's just a, a leading of the Holy Spirit, maybe because we're the church. But he comes every at the end of every service to meet you where you're at. I mean, I came in today. I was praying at the office. I thought, you know what? I believe there's just going to be an anointing there. I'll probably lay hands on the sick. We got to this point, and he said, no, I'm here. I'm here to do what I can do. So we're just going to yield to him. Say, you know what? I feel like I need hands laid on me. Praise the Lord. That time might come, but just let the Spirit of God minister to you by the anointing. By the anointing, the power is present. For whatever you have need of, the power is present. Power is present. 
Just tap into that power. Trust it. Don't allow the crowd of your mind to get in there, confuse things. Just receive what he has. Amen? Praise the Lord. Say this we go. What God did in Christ Jesus far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great week.